0: Hello, powerful beings, and welcome to the I Am Sovereign podcast. This is a podcast to remind you, embolden you, empower you to remember the sovereignty that you were born with, the sovereignty that you are, and the sovereignty that we must walk in right now in this time in our lives. So, where up, are up lighten up goddess up god up all of up so that you can stand in the truth of your sovereignty right now right here today so relax chill and enjoy this episode that we have for you on the i am sovereign podcast
1: Hello, beautiful sovereign beings. I am Shauna Williams, and this is the I Am Sovereign podcast. And on today's episode, we are talking to Janelle Pierce, and she is the founder, creator of the STI project. And her mission, one of them, is overcoming the stigmas with STIs and the shame that comes along with that. And she is a powerhouse speaker. She has a master Mm -hmm. course where she invites all beings to come in to learn, to grow, to know, and to alleviate the shame around living a life with STIs or like being in relationship and we all are (laughs) that's the, the news like we all are in relationship with so Janelle please introduce yourself more into the space and let us know more of who you are
2: hello 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 thank you so much for having me Yes, so um, my primary hat is I'm the executive director of the STI project, and I'm also the spokesperson for Positivesingles.com, and overall, I'm a sexual health educator and through all of that, um, I guess, as well as an adjunct professor. So I wear a a few hats, but they're all very similar. It's all around education, empowerment, creating awareness, and overall, the goal then is the outcome, the intended outcome is acceptance. So not only acceptance for folks who are living with an STI and what that means to live with an STI and be in a body that has an STI, but also accepting ourselves as is, um, our sexual, our sexual, human sexuality, our sexual, our sexual selves, as sexual beings, and um, supporting what that means and what that looks like for all individuals and as best as I can within, um, within my experiences and identities and knowledge. And so, yes, I've been doing it for about 10 years and the website, the STI project is primarily a website and then I'm on all social media channels and like like Shauna said, I do a lot of speaking and media engagement, um, et cetera, but all with the primary purpose of helping and serving others who are going through a similar experience. I have genital herpes and I've had it since I was 16 years old. So the, out, or the goal is to help people to move through that experience a lot faster and with a lot more confidence and acceptance than I was able to years and years ago.
1: Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to have you here. Uh, will you please, because I made up your, you are, you are the face, the founder, everything when I think of STI projects. So will you please tell people a little bit more of what that is and what, what's provided through the STI project in particular?
2: Yes. So we are really a resource allocation. We have a medical network that supports all of our content, um, and reviews all of our content for accuracy and inclusion. And actually we're, we're updating, we're in the process of updating some of our language and removing binary language and, um, making sure that we are trans inclusive and et cetera. So we've, we're we're updating since our content um, has been around for the last decade and of course um, language changes and evolves and we continue to learn and grow and, and learn how to be be more inclusive and in, 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 um, And more comprehensive and accurate, medically accurate, as well as pleasure focused has been a lot of what I've been working toward recently and talking about why pleasure is important and why we should center our pleasure, especially after an STI diagnosis, because oftentimes it really does, um, it does illicit trauma, um, sometimes big T, sometimes small T, trauma, uh, the diagnosis itself, and then um, it can also re-trigger um, old trauma. And how we feel about ourselves as people who have STIs, as um, whoever does, is usually informed by tons of our past experiences, our childhood, and and what we, how we feel around sexuality and our sexual shame. And most people have some component some aspect of sexual shame because there are so many layers to that and usually it, um, it transverses many many decades and years of our lives so unlearning that is essentially all of the work that we're doing so some of the some of the content on the STI project is basic informative um, diagnosis testing treatment and then a lot of the other content is what it's like to live with an STI dating Having conversations, relationships, like you said we're in, we're all in relationships and um, and it impacts all of our relationships, so all of that uh, gray area that you don't see is often on some of the more um, informative or like public service announcements we cover those areas as well
1: mm, that's so important.
2: there is a huge gap between like
1: the lived experience and the evolution of of all our sexuality and all of that. Like back in the day, it was like <laughs> abstinence, and at least in the south. You know, like in the south is like don't have sex if you do. Like these things are gonna happen. Like I remember, in maybe middle school, but let's just for the benefit of a doubt say high school someone coming in um, and speaking about living with AIDS and it wasn't from like this empowered place that like, you're like, you're talking about like how to live with it, how to be in pleasure. It was from this, like, if you have sex, you're going to get AIDS too and your life is going to be ruined, you know? Um, And so I I would love to get more into the pleasure piece and like the feeling around when you do get a diagnosis, because it is very, Shocking and altering, regardless of of what what it is or what the diagnosis is. it's like it's it's new information for the body. like it's new it's like, okay, now I get to inju- adjust my life. It's like being diagnosed pre-diabetic, like now you get to change whatever to be able to live a life that's as healthy as possible and as free as possible and feeling like you can fully express yourself in any ways that you need. So um, before we jump more into those things, I want to know. from you, like, what does being sovereign
0: mean?
2: That's a really phenomenal question. So before we started and, um, like a couple of days ago, as I was, had looked at this on my calendar and I was like, what is the word sovereign? And where did that come from? And it's interesting that that's the name of your podcast. And so I actually Googled the definition of sovereign, but how, I think, and, and then, then that's kind of got my um, excitement up because I love the idea of really a lot of the work that I do is all about empowerment and and stepping into your own self and feeling really comfortable and who you are, what it means to be you, how you walk through this world in whatever body you have, and to feel um, and to feel empowered by that and to feel confident and self-assured and resourceful. And that to me is being sovereign as opposed Mm -hmm. to like a ruler, but we are, but actually I I don't even know that as, as opposed to, because a ruler of our own selves and being in, in control, control of course is a facade. That it's okay to to want and to have that sense and need that sense of control, and but we really aren't in control in control of much in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, though, I'm a control person, so I like that. I like the idea that I'm in control, and I like to feel like I have um, autonomy choice, mm-hmm. and choice. Um, and and we do, we do have those things. We can't always control what happens, even with our own autonomous decisions and the choices that we make. Because sometimes things happen that are out of our control, and very often they do. But that that awareness of self, that sense of self, that feeling empowered within our bodies um, and within our identities, whatever they are, in the myriad of identities that we hold, I think that to me is being sovereign. Really, being a ruler of our own destiny and of our of ourselves as we as we walk through the world day to day.
1: Shay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, and thank you. I love I love nerdy moments of you, like okay, what does this mean? Let me look it up, and then how do I embody that? How is that in my medicine? I love that, like mind mapping of all of that for you. So thank you for walking us through that. There's so much to be discussed here with you, Janelle. So I'm like really um, making sure that. I stay focused and um, I I, I, pr- I would love to probably have you back on here so we can talk about all the things that we don't get to cover, but we're going to jump into it and talk about everything that needs to be covered in this podcast episode. So I want to talk about first, um, when you get that diagnosis of whatever it may be, because I know like throughout the year, some of the most traumatic experiences that I've had is um, like thinking or like the fear of like oh my gosh do i do i do i and then going to the clinic by myself being scared or being like hey look at this is this bad and then being like no and and waiting on the test results to come back or like immediate results and just like the energy and the trauma just, just that waiting period causes and then like finding out whatever information you find out but like the whole from possibly being exposed to um, seeing signs within the body and symptoms and some of them they show none um, to going and getting tested the waiting period and then getting the results can you just like talk about the myriad of emotions the people that you see throughout that entire process does that make sense
2: yes for sure sure. And, and you you touched on it actually part of the reason why we feel that way, why it is such a a scary and um, fear-laden experience is because of the fear-mongering and the scare tactics that are a part of a lot of our educational systems when we when we learn about sex ed and sexual health, and so we come into that process with all of these misconceptions already laying the foundation for how we're feeling about whatever the outcome might be, and. The shame of it, and what the shame—the the sad part about it, the disheartening part about it—is that. We The messaging should be that so many people, the vast majority of all people, of all sexually active people, contract an STI at some point in their lives. More than 80 to 90% of all sexually active people contract an STI. So it's super common. It's also understandable that we don't want a new infection. But when we compare it to things like, say, a cold or allergies, we don't have the same kind of... Immense fear and, and um, trepidation around going in and getting screened and getting a diagnosis. It just does not hold the same kind of weight because the messaging around it is not the same. It's so common. Everyone gets a cold or the flu sometimes. Everyone, so many people have allergies. No big thing. Like. Whatever, so it's that messaging that is harming and making it to where it's like people absolutely are in fear of the outcome. Like everything is going to change, their sex life is going to be different, they're they're ruined. Um, so many fears and misconceptions around what might happen if they test positive for any kind of infection. And just, yeah, the fear of being discovered, like nobody wants anyone to know that they're even going in to get tested, mm. testing done, which is also in and of itself ridiculous, because we being proactive and being responsible with our sexual health should be an encouraged thing should be something yeah. like high five, like, yeah, girl, yeah. you're here getting tested. Me too. Yay. Yeah. You know, like we should all be supportive of that. And, and we're not, there's shame around oh this means I must be having sex if I'm going in and getting tested and maybe it means I'm irresponsible if I'm getting tested mm-hmm. I mean there's so many assumptions and it's all just toxic hot flaming trash it's just it's so <laughs> problematic it causes unnecessary trauma it really does
1: Yeah, I love that toxic high flaming trash um, Yeah, because I when I think about it too, it's like that absolutely gets to be celebrated. Like we're that's sovereignty. I'm choosing to be in power and control, if you will, of my sexual health. And it's it's talk about self-care. There's all this self care talk, self love talk for the past few years. It's like, are you going to get tested? How are you having these conversations with your partners? In what ways are you being safe? Whatever safe means to you. And um I I really, I really just want people to know that, like, we get to have these conversations, it is absolutely normal, we were born into these human bodies, we have desires, pleasure, like, even back in the, like, the golden age, or way, way, way back in, like, Christ age, where, like, all of these things were going on, and there was a lot of shame around sex, using religion, but even then, people were sneaking around, there were brothels, like, Now we can just live if we're lucky, because there still are some unsovereign countries and places to live in where these things are still very alive and well. But here, you know, depending on the religion that we carry, like we have the freedom to choose to be in our sexual empowerment, our sexual health, and our sexual pleasure. So why not just like be on that bold path of like, hey, this is how I'm showing up for myself? And I know there's a whole community of people who are doing this. I'm a part of these communities. And on that, on that note, puritanical like spiritualism and like, Oh no, I don't vibrate on that level of getting genitals to herpes. So I can just do whatever I want. So let's talk about like that, that part of it. Cause I know, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah.
2: (gasps) Oh yes. And I've heard too recently a few times, um, and and it is this is this is more toxic hot flaming trash is, is that um, you know, you carry everybody's vibes with you. So if you engage in sexual activities with that person, you, um, a piece of you is shared with them forever. And a piece of them is always with you. And I'm like, ew, fuck that. That, that doesn't make any sense. Like that is a choice. I can, come on, like way to, way to use your like new age, newfound like la la spirituality and to harm people some more you know Mm -hmm. like to say that this is this new like um, evolved state, an evolved way of looking at being spiritual and then, and then totally trash on individuals and in their experience and their needs and their bodies and their choices by basically you're just reframing and, and, and totally repackaging the same puritanical beliefs that you're basically chewed gum once you have, you know, once you have had more than one partner, you know, like already mm-hmm. been chewed. It, I just, I just, those kinds of analogies is maybe it works for some. And it's not to trash on on belief systems at all, but that does not, that is fine if that's what you want to believe about yourself. But the moment that you start projecting that onto other people and sharing that as something that they should believe about their bodies when they share their bodies with someone else in whatever way they choose is right for them, that's the moment it becomes toxic trash. If you want to believe it, that that's how you want to walk through the world, cool. If that's what you think, go for it. But the moment you start projecting that on someone else, I'd just get, oh my gosh, all up in arms. It, it, pisses me off like none other because it is it's like I said it's basically the same puritanical garbage repackaged in existential spiritualism and that just unfortunately is the same thing over and over again and just in in a new with a new bow on it you know poop is still poop even if you even if you paint it red and and stick a bow on it (laughs) It (laughs) it'll smell like (laughs) shit (laughs) exactly yes and the whole like you said the whole vibe of like like, I won't get herpes because I have this energy. Energy is powerful. I will say that we can do a lot of amazing things around energy with our bodies. And I've, I've seen some amazing documentaries around this. And so I won't, I won't start to say that I know everything about this. However, because of the vast, vast number of people who contract infections, it, um, it is just... Unfortunately I don't think that that is going to serve all people with that with that mindset by itself. I think that that can be incorporated as part of a comprehensive way in which to approach your own well-being and health. And um, and I do think it can be very powerful, but I don't think that that is going to totally protect you from all STIs and infections because infections, just that's not how they work. They don't have bias. They don't have beliefs. They don't care. They impact all manner of people from all walks of life. And the vast majority of all sexually active people contract something. And I just, yeah, I think... We we can utilize some of that 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 mindset and that belief um, and that that way of, of approaching our well-being in a way that really helps us. But I think the moment again, the moment we start to project that onto others, like if you just do this and you'll be fine. Unfortunately, it's not up to us to decide what is going to serve somebody else's health and their well-being, and we can um share what works for us. But that's as far as I think is is ethical is sharing what works for us and not and not saying this is what you should do or you need to do this or if you do this this will happen you yeah. don't know that and then what happens when somebody says well i had all this amazing energy and all i did was uplift and um, project all this positive energy and I still had this happen and then they're shocked and then they don't have the practical knowledge to help them move forward. So if we em- empower people with the most education, we inform them with, this, with all the tools and resources, then they can decide what is best going to work for them, what is going to suit their bodies, their needs, their intentions.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And this really speaks into sovereignty, and so I would like to go in a little bit more on the spiritual side of what you just shared, and thank you. I work as far woo as possible. Like, the, the, the depth of my woo cannot even be conveyed on social media or anything like that, and I'm also very much in this body and in this 3D reality. And energy is real. And we all, like, we have our energetic body. We are not just, we're not just in this human body. So it's like in being sovereign, being able to give information so people can just choose what feels right for them, what is true for them. When I think about, um, there there, my friend actually made a post not that long ago about, like, just being aware of when you have sex with strangers, you're taking on their energies, yada, yada, yada we are always in each other's energies. And so when we're connecting in that space of um, sexual connection, there is a sharing that's happening. Now, if you keep it for seven years, cause that's like, that's, that's the number that people have said, like it, it stays with you for seven years and you recycle that energy. Like, If I'm not, if I'm like, we enter this consensual container once we exit it, like, you no longer have access to my pussy. (laughs) Like, you no longer have access to my energy or anything like that. So, it's like, when we buy into that, we then become a victim of that. So, it's like sovereignty to know that, like, no, you can believe that and you can literally manifest in your physical body and in your relationships all of that belief that would come. To believing that you carry every energy of every person that you have sex with or in sovereignty you can be a consensual being and like say no this ends here and create boundaries um you the speaking about the the vibrational stuff with not getting not contracting infections and things like that it's like yeah do all the high vibe because word creates thought creates take care of the body And do like boundaries, like, hey, these are my sex practices. What I'm seeing a lot in these communities of like Tantra and stuff, because like I have training in that, I I play in that world in a way, is like, Mm -hmm. there's this bullying and this um, spiritualism to really override consent or choice in what safety precautions are needed. And that's harmful is what I'm seeing. I don't know if you've heard of that or if you've seen that, but that's how I'm seeing these things playing into what you shared into my question. Like this part right here, Janelle, that we're talking about could be a whole nother hour.
2: (laughs) I totally agree. I totally agree. And I have, and I think for the one thing that, that that, like comes out in what you're saying, and I love that. I, I absolutely love that. You're like, you get to, you get to consent to yeah and the sharing of the energies is is for me one of the most powerful things about sharing my body with someone else in that in that kind of intimate way like that and and intimacy in other ways that sharing of energy with close relationships and friendships and family members and etc and so we share energy very often with many people all the time so to assume that you're carrying all of those energies with you all the time first of all that's exhausting and that's that's it's just not, you get to choose that, no, I'm going to let that go. And that's not going to be, I'm not going to continue with that. And this person and this energy is not going to continue to be. And I love the boundaries and the, the clarification there. I think you said it just absolutely eloquently. And the other thing that was just stuck out to me is that it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be either, or you don't have to be spiritual and woo woo and all of this and only that and told totally assuage all um, practical knowledge and medicine, because it's all science. This energy yeah. that we're talking about is actually scientifically proven. And so yeah. we can incorporate all of these different things for a complete and holistic view. And I think that that is a lot more helpful and a lot more supportive of all identities, a lot more inclusive than just this either or approach, because I think that there's harm that gets caused, like you explained in certain communities, than assumptions that we're just going to be able to uh keep away anything that we don't want around us like that's just not always how it works unfortunately and then you have people who are really shocked and surprised and they're not prepared um for when it does happen so yeah i 100% agree and i think you just said it really well
1: mm, thank you gosh i i love the way that you speak too and and i love what you just shared to really bring that home and janelle i want to talk about your story because this is something that you do so well and I'm excited to hear it like first like from your voice here in this moment um, because I've seen like little things that you've shared here and there but you found out like just the journey of finding out that you um, contracted genital herpes at 16 and then like life after life after that life before that and whatever it is that you would like to share about your personal journey with it, and then how that led to you being like, wait, this is, I need to, like, people need to hear about this. This is like a part of my mission.
2: Yeah, for sure. So like you said, when I was 16 years old, I contracted genital herpes. And at the time I did go through very common, a very common diagnosis experience where I was shamed by my practitioner and I was shocked. I was in disbelief, absolutely mortified. I had a lot of peers who were horrible to me years after that. I surprisingly enough, though, I had amazing relationship experiences I've never actually experienced a rejection as a result of my status, um, although that's not everyone's experience, and sometimes people do even when they disclose and even when um, it's a really positive relationship and sometimes that just happens. But for me, I've been really lucky in that area and then and I've had many, many relationships and lots of lots of long term really healthy, phenomenal sexual relationships. And my herpes and my having an infection, having an STI has never impacted that once I stopped allowing it to, once I stopped embodying those stigmas and I stopped believing the stigma about myself. And that was really what was so hard about it was the immense stigma associated with having herpes. And even after that, I contracted scabies, which is another, it's a parasitic STI. And I've had HPV as well, which is another viral STI. And so I've had multiple STIs, um, which sounds kind of crazy to say out loud, but that's actually very common. And once you have one, you're more likely to contract another, et cetera. So yes, for, for- to go kind of backward when I was first diagnosed and for many years after that, I struggled immensely with self-worth and I felt like I was damaged. I felt like I was, I was deserving of poor treatment and that I had, um, that I was all of the things that I associated with people who had STIs. I was very ignorant around STIs. My sexual health education was abstinence only based and shame focused and, so, the little that I knew was all misconceptions and all stigmatized and so that 's what I really believed for years. But after all of these like positive relationship experiences after I um, had got many degrees in school and started doing well professionally and had slowly established really uh, healthy relationships in my life, both um, intimate and Um, sexual relationships as well as like friends and family. I'd slowly cut out people who were harming me or who who really didn't want the best for me. That took years. At 29 years old is when I launched the STI project. And finally, at that point, what kind of came the culmination of all of that, I was in the vagina monologues at my alma mater. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a woman who did a spoken word piece right before the vagina monologues went on for us. And she was she went to school with us as well, and um, the spoken word piece was about abuse, uh, sexual abuse that she had experienced in her childhood, and I was so. Um, it was really, I just attribute to her over and over again, that she was really the inspiration, the final catalyst that, that I was able to see her take something and turn it into art. And it was so beautiful, her performance and the words that she spoke and the way that she strung them together and the, um, emotion that came out and everything, how that was emoted was, it was all so incredibly powerful and beautiful. And I thought if she can take something that was traumatic for her, very harmful, that has informed her entire life moving forward because you never actually totally get over a trauma you don't forget about it um, and you don't actually move on you move forward from something like that and so for her to do that in such a in such a way an enigmatic way I was absolutely taken aback and I thought I can do that too and and because I felt so good in who I was in my body and um, where I was in my life. And I realized that the stigma associated with living with an STI did not add up to how I actually felt. That Those two things didn't reconcile how people and how public views someone with an STI and how I actually saw my life and myself were two entirely separate things. And so I thought there needs to be some sort of reconciliation. There needs to be education around this, around the gray area, around what it means to live with an STI, around what it means to have communication with partners, etc. And there really were very few, if any, resources out there that were doing that. So I quit my job, my full-time career as an accountant. I was working um, as an analyst for a public health um, corporation and then um, launched the STI project and just left corporate world entirely and said, this is what I'm going to do. So yes, everyone in my family and friends thought I would lost my mind and was batshit crazy. Um, You know, and for a while I wondered that about myself too, but it's been a really rewarding and phenomenal experience. It's just, it's taken me along a journey that I didn't even anticipate going into it, even though I, I very much believed in what I was doing
1: you are such a badass and I feel like what keeps coming in my mind is like you're the Brene Brown of STIs if Brene Brown was like super badass and edgy and wild and talked about STIs and educated on STIs (laughs) like the compassion and the power that you carry is very similar to that energy so thank you for sharing that
2: (laughs) that is probably the nicest compliment I've ever received I've just read her book, Daring Greatly. I really love Brene Brown. So that's why it's such a lovely compliment. And Daring Greatly is phenomenal for anyone who's listening and is interested. And it talks about vulnerability and how our culture doesn't encourage vulnerability and and strays away from it. And really that vulnerability is the... Um, the quotient for connection and then the necessity that that little piece that is necessary, that very big piece actually, that is necessary for true connection and intimacy and to be vulnerable is actually powerful and sovereign in and of itself. And so, yeah, that was, it was beautiful. So thank you so much for that. I I love it. If I can continue with that, then that is like, I've achieved what I, what I need to in life. It really, that's phenomenal.
1: (laughs) Yes. And on that same note, because I know that you have experienced some kickback, like people have been tripping, you know? So like, if you can talk about that piece and like, if there was ever moments of like, wait, maybe I shouldn't do this because I feel like this this piece right here is what keeps people silent. in in any of their medicine, like, oh my God, what will people say? What will people think? What if people come after me? What if people witch hunt me? What if people, what if people, what if people like, who cares? So will you please just share on your personal experience of people peopling and how that's affected you and what you've done?
2: I love that people peopling. It's so true. And you know, and before I even, because there's like a litany of kind of funny stories that I can rattle off quickly so it doesn't take forever and ever, and it's not an entire monologue, but um, yes, I have been very brutally attacked, and before I launched the STI project and after, the vast majority of my interactions are very positive and very supportive, and so even there, there are though there's been, you know, every few months or something, somebody comes after me, and the reason I'm able to do this work is because of the privilege that I enjoy. I'm white, cisgendered. Um, I am heteronormative for the most part, or I'm, I'm primarily heterosexual is what I should say. And um in most of my identities are very comfortable for most people and that has allowed me the ability to do this in a safe way. So not everybody can share such sensitive topics or not everybody can do advocacy in this way, but I still think advocacy is important and there are a million different ways in which to be an advocate and you don't always have to be public about your status you don't always have to do it in such a um, up in your face and upfront like I have herpes kind of way and the way in which I'm doing it so that said mm-hmm. um, I did expect actually it to be worse when I first launched the STI project because I had had such a horrible experience with peers and mm-hmm. I had had friends who made me sleep on the floor at slumber wow. parties because they learned I had herpes and they thought if we slept near each other that they would it from me. Um, I had other friends who would tell, like, you know, a guy would come up to my, this was a best friend at the time, a guy would come up to her and say, like, oh, you know, like, who's your friend? She's really cute. And like, can I talk to her, like, you know, introduce me or whatever. And she'd tell them that, no, you don't want to talk to her. She's just going to infect you. And um, her sister said that I was intentionally infecting people, that I was trying to make everybody suffer like I had suffered. So I was going around sleeping with as many people as I could, so I could give as many people herpes. And so some of those things were hard then at that point. Pause, pause, (laughs)
1: pause. <laughs> Let's yes. just like let me just like send you little janelle some love like i literally have tears coming in my eyes cuz i can feel how brutal and traumatic that is like wagging my finger at those people like to think that someone's your friend and then they do that to you to have to sleep on a floor because people are uneducated and that's in high school and middle school and all of that like it's it is the worst Um, So I just like wanted to just take a moment to pause and just like acknowledge teenage Janelle who like went through all of that and did whatever it is that she needed to do to get to this point of moving forward to be the fucking blazing powerful woman that you are right now because you could have stopped you could like so many other paths could have happened just on that little piece of how they treated you from that moment so I just felt like that needed to be said and paused and like, now please continue.
2: Uh, And thank you for that. You know, one of the things that I've said in the past is that the work that I do is really a blanket and a hug to my former self and to my 16 year old self, like doing what I desperately needed when, when I didn't, there weren't these kinds of resources and there weren't people like this, or I had no idea that anybody else existed like myself and I felt so alone. And I did for a long time, I went down the path of drugs and alcohol and abused my coping mechanisms were really unhealthy. And um, I was very lost for a long period of time and really didn't know, how to move past that and really felt like I deserved it. Like I said earlier, like Mm -hmm. I deserve that kind of treatment. So I allowed it. I allowed the, I kept those friends, even some of the people Mm. who treated me like that. I stayed friends with them for a few years and, um, and quite a few years after that. And before I finally realized like, wait a minute, no one deserves this. And this is cruel and this is not okay. And I don't care what kind of excuse is being used, um, to justify this behavior, but nobody deserves this kind of treatment, et cetera. But it a little while to get there so yeah so that was really really that was one of the hardest times in my life and um by the time i got to the sti project like i expected flaming piles of dog poop on my front porch <laughs> and paper bags like i thought that i would get totally attacked and um the internet trolls would come out and not to say that they haven't but um Now it's been a little bit more subversive. Like one of my family members when I first launched the STI project called my then employer, Uh, the place that I was a healthcare analyst for Stryker Corporation. They're one of the big, um, or not the big four, I worked for a big four accounting um, firm as well, but they're one of the Fortune um, 500 companies. And they called them and said, do you know what she's doing? And she has this STI project. And i had already put in my um, notice of leave and everything, because I was going to do this full time, but they were essentially trying to get me fired and thought that it was horrible that I was talking about having an STI. And this was my family member, you know, and so That I found out, and a lot of these things I always find out after the fact. So by the time I find out about it, it's kind of like, well, that was crap that you did that. And I mean, I'm my trust and where my boundaries are with certain people is very specific based on these experiences. But it it no longer harms me in the kind of way that it used to. And um, my husband's ex-wife is a good example Mm -hmm. of like current today being attacked and the very first thing that she always says the moment she's upset about something is i'm a herpes laden whore Mm -hmm. and her her father actually coined that term and so that's the number one thing that they go to even despite doing this work publicly and professionally and and having awards and being um lauded in a in a positive way online and, and and in in the work that i do still, that is the first thing that they go for. That is the thing that they think is my weakest. And that's the thing that my husband gets attacked for too. The moment that somebody's upset with him, they're like, well, your wife is dirty or nasty or whatever. So Mm. even though none of those things really impact us because we know the origin, we understand the stigma, we understand the ignorance around it. um, They still think that somehow that is my weakest link or that is like the soft spot. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's disheartening and it means that I still have so much more work to do because the stigma is strong and Mm. is continuing. And, um, so there's just more to do. Essentially it means that I can't stop because all (laughs) of that is a product of Um, of the shame and the ignorance and the lack of knowledge and the lack of support and comprehensive sexual health education. So yes, it's, some ways it's not their fault that they're ignorant, (laughs) but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's no longer, it no longer impacts me in that kind of way. But, but there are days that I, that I get frustrated. I'm, I'm less frustrated about the attack on me when it happens and about the direct, like um, the, the, the cruel statements, it no longer impacts me in that way, but it makes me angry that that it still happens, like the the stupidity of it. Like, why do you think that that would impact me? Why do you think that that would hurt me? Like, I'm talking about this publicly and you still think somehow that's a way to shame me? Like, I don't have any shame around that. I just... I just simply don't anymore. I let that go. I, I, we all hold some kind of shame still. And I have other areas that I'm working through as well. Cause we're constantly growing and working through things. And, um, so I still hold shame in different in other areas, but definitely not around my sexuality and not at all around my herpes status. Like, nope, sorry. You're going to have to try again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me get you a new list of things to try. <laughs> That's no longer working. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely speaks to exactly. of that. Oh, my gosh. So there are two more things that I, I, I mean, like so many more things But I really want to talk about first, because you mentioned it, like, just drop like all of the accomplishments. And let's just celebrate like all of the, the things like you've been in articles, you've been here, you've been there, like, please just drop your accomplishments for a moment.
2: Yes. Oh golly. Um that's uh, I don't think I've ever been asked that question or told to do that. <laughs> My press page is multiple pages long. I have been in um like 40, 50 podcasts and in 40 or 50 different articles. NPR, Cosmo, Women's Health, um L, All Marie Claire, all of the ones that are really quite Um, popular CNN, etc. So yeah, so at this point in time, um, now that's also why it no longer hurts me because I'm like, whatever, I mean, look at my press page, (laughs) like, go for it, you know, like, try and try and say that this is a bad thing. And that what I'm doing is, is harmful, you know, and come after me, I guess, if you want, but, um, that just means that I'm going to keep working harder. And in some ways I'm thankful for that kind of negativity because the competitive nature that I have is not competitive with individuals. It's competitive in like a, don't tell me I can't do it because now I will show you how I can. And I'm going to do it in such a way that nobody will ever be able to shut me up again. And, um, you're not going to minimize and. Um, and and basically shame or mistreat me and categorize me without me allowing that to happen. So yeah, so lots of really good things have happened. And I'm really, I just feel super honored. Actually, one of the biggest things this I'll leave it with this that the answer to your question is my hometown is Grand Rapids, Michigan. And now I live in Asheville, well, Fairview, but Asheville, North Carolina, a little suburb, Fairview is a suburb of Asheville. But Anyways, um, my hometown is Grand Rapids, Michigan, and a couple of years ago, right at right actually before I moved to North Carolina, I was awarded two big awards in the city. I was awarded forty under forty um, there then, um, and then also forty under forty most influential business owners, and then um, the 50 most um, influential women award in West West Michigan. And that to me, (laughs) it was so cool because West Michigan is a conservative area of the country. And initially when I had launched, like I said, you know, there were a lot of people that were nervous or didn't know what the heck I was doing with my life. And like, this is what you're doing for a living. You're talking about having herpes, like what, who does that? Um, And I'm sure you've experienced this too, being in the sexual health space and the the human sexuality space, of course, like people are just like, this is what you do. Like you talk about sex all the time, like whatever. But um, so to have had that experience initially kind of that pushback and that uncertainty and then to be awarded in that community was really, uh, for me, full circle it was it was um validating on on such a level to know that i'm being recognized for the work that i'm doing in the community that a lot of people in that community originally shamed me for so that was pretty darn phenomenal
1: (laughs) oh my gosh yes 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 people do all the things do all the things like whatever you feel called to whatever like resistance you're meeting in yourself, like just listen to this story of Janelle and like, and the goal may not be all of these things. Like I I, I can feel and know for Janelle, it wasn't like, oh man, I'm going to be on this one day. It's like, she just stood in her purpose and was like, I, I don't care. I have no other choice but to do this. And like continuously is like, yeah, it just means that there's more work for me to do. Like this is, it's just a confirmation that I'm on the right path. This is my medicine and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And like, Fully freaking celebrating all of those things and everything to come. Like,
2: yes! 100%. It's so true. And I think one of the things that it's so, it's easier said than done, of course, but it's like we get so caught up in what other people are doing or in the shoulds, like what we think we should be doing. And it hinders us and stops us from really following whatever path we think and whatever new opportunity or taking any risks. And at the end of the day, none of those people, those shoulds, even our friends and family, are they paying your bills? Are they tucking you in at night? Like, no, that's all you. So you have to do what is going to serve you and what you feel is right. And not everybody's going to get it. And not everybody is supposed to get it. Like I'm fully in, in acceptance that I'm not for everybody. And I like that. I don't want to be for everybody because I, that wouldn't actually be me being authentic in myself. And I, I totally am either a person that people love or they hate. I either rub people the absolute wrong way, or they think I am like liquid gold. And I'm okay with that being very, um, a very dynamic kind of big personality type. My uncle said, I have big energy. You know, he said, that's when you walk into a space or whatever, when you're talking to people, like your energy is big. And he said, sometimes that's off-putting, you know, to certain people. And, and I'm okay with that. I've learned to accept that in a way that like, that's how I'm able to operate and not feel I mean, we all have doubts, and we all start getting in imposter syndrome mode, or we all start worrying about, will this really, is this really a good plan, or et cetera. We all do that, but I think the more that we can remember that, wait a minute, it's about us, and nobody else is taking care of us but us, even though, even our loved ones who are trying to take care of us, like at the end of the day, we're in our head as we put our pillow, or as we put our head down on our pillow at night. And so we have to make sure that we're feeling good in our choices and we don't always, and that's okay too. But the more that we try to be as authentic as possible and as real with ourselves, I think then the more that that will show the rest of the world too. And then that just resonates like that energy then multiplies. Mm,
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You got that. As I'm, like, thinking of saying this, you have that big dick energy, which is, like, big pussy energy, big being energy. It's, like, such a patriarchal, like, men, like, big penis type praising thing. But, like, there's nobody going around being, like, you have a big pussy energy. But, like, hey, you have big pussy energy, because now I'm going to say it.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Big dragon slayer energy. Last year I said something like that, like if I was taking someone to court and, um, you know, whatever. And I was just standing up for what was right, even though it was a pain in the ass. And, but yeah, exactly. Like you just have to fight sometimes and it's not, not everyone can again, the identities that I have and hold, um, put me in a position of privilege and ability to do that. And so every that's going to look different for everyone, entirely different. And I support and um, encourage whatever that looks like for you, whoever's listening.
0: Yes.
1: And that brings us to the final deep dive question is, and um, we were talking about before we started recording, the ways in which you're really focusing on your personal Aspects of reparations to the BIPOC community, Black Indigenous people of color, and then also how you're allowing it to be more diversified and accessible. So, for your offerings, and so if you can just speak to how that, what what it was that woke you up to start doing this, how you're implementing it, and um, what changes you're seeing. Because I know that within the black community, there's so much shame around sexuality. Like be queer, you're going to hell. Have an STD, everybody's gonna talk about you. You know, like it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, so I love that you're expanding it and making it accessible. And so please just like speak on your efforts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I just launched, um, on July 1st in an, an eight-week course, and the eight-week course is all around unlearning STI stigma and overcoming shame, and so we walk through a couple of different therapy um, modalities, dialectal, dialectical behavior, behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. Tra- it's trauma-informed interventions are mixed in, as well as um, laying the groundwork and the foundation for unlearning our cognitive distortions and inaccurate information around STIs, transmission and risk, risk assessment, so on and so forth. There's so much that's covered. And I built this course um, once COVID started because I realized that I had to pivot. I was doing a lot of in-seat adjunct teaching. um, And that dried or piddled out a little bit anyways. The opportunities were fewer and as well as all of the conferences that I was uh, um, scheduled to speak at all got canceled. So I had to pivot really online and what was super cool about it is um, of course the Black Lives Matter movement really came into the forefront and um, it allowed me to see inside myself some of my own uh, racism that is that is it's a constant unlearning process and just inherent things like one of the things that I've said in the past and this applies to all biases um, but will apply it specifically to racism at this point is the things that you think in your head um, what determines whether you're a crap person or not is not whether you think something that's racist or biased um, and it's not whether that comes with whether that first is thought that that thought process was built and was formulated over years of time and so that's not something that you can just totally wash away and get rid of with one fell swoop that takes that takes that takes time to unpack and unlearn um, what was already established and and those foundational misbeliefs and, and problematic beliefs but it's that you stop yourself you either stop yourself before it comes out or you come back and retract it and you say wait a minute that needs to be fixed or I don't like that. That wasn't my intention or that came across wrong or, or, um, please help me I know that that wasn't what I meant to say or it, however it is that you stop yourself and correct that is what indicates whether or not you are totally junk basically whether you're a crap person and so and I say that because we beat ourselves up when we're not perfect or when when we mess up and one of the areas I see this around too is around pronouns a lot of times if people misgender someone if they if they if they look at someone and naturally they're just talking about them and they say like she or he and and realize that they didn't actually ask them their pronouns and and then they and then people will get because of the embarrassment of screwing up and screwing up is vulnerability and we're not encouraged to be vulnerable in our culture um, then they stop moving forward with the with the fixing with the reparations and the reparations we shouldn't be embarrassed about the reparations that we need to make and that we are making because that means we're trying and so we're never going to get it 100 percent right but the fact that we're working on it and trying I think is admirable and good and we need to keep doing it and it doesn't mean we need a pat on the back or um, or a lollipop for for trying and, and making reparations to any communities whatsoever. It just means that we can keep doing it without having to feel shame around screwing up and so I'm, I'm big on getting rid of the shame around mistakes, around um, around problems, around things that we feel like are something bad about us and in reframing that it doesn't mean you're bad it means you're trying and so keep doing that and that's great so that said um that's kind of something that I've been working on for a while but it really came to the forefront because I realized that like, I still th- randomly think ra- racist things or um just the privileges that I enjoy and the lack of diversity in a lot of my experiences and background it bring in inherent bias that I um that I don't do a lot of to to make any reparations. I don't do a lot of work and I haven't done a lot of work historically. I've done a lot with the LGBT community and I did a lot of activism around that earlier before I launched the STI project and felt a lot of parallels um, there, but I just haven't really done anything for BIPOC communities and the black community in particular. And so when I launched this course, Um, And again, this is not an admirable, amazing thing, but I'll come full circle with this, is I I offered it to the Black community for free um, because I thought this is the least that I can do because it's a paid course and it's not super cheap. I have tons of free accessible resources that are available. My website's all free and all my social media posts and information are free, but this course is a paid course. And so I offered it to the Black community for free. And as I was telling Shauna before we started the podcast, I I believed in the course and really knew that it would help and I even when I put it out there to the community and to my my following that I was offering it to black, black folks for free, um, I, I said specifically, I may not be the person to serve because I am a white cisgendered person. Um, my identities may not be the, the right avenue or the right person to help you in this arena. That said, this is available. And if you feel like um, you can trust me in that kind of space within whatever boundaries are going to work for you, then this is, this is a resource that's there. And as a result, though, it's been, there are over 50 50 participants in the course right now, mm. and I didn't anticipate this, but I've experienced so much joy from this course, the people who are going through it, and, and not everybody is is, a, is someone in the Black community. Um, there are people who paid for the course, and there are um, a myriad of other, of other identities and other folks, um, men, women, non-binary, and their response to the course, their growth, their interaction. There's a live Q and A we do every week and we do a discussion board. And so there are a bunch of different components and it's been, it's been incredible. It has been like absolutely eye opening. And I knew that it would help people, but I didn't know that it would be the, I mean, I knew it would transform, but the amount that being able to see everyone's faces change their energy change. I mean, right. Even over a zoom call, I can tell it's been so cool. It's really, I think i 'm most proud of this, and this is going to be kind of my um, foundational biggest intent for a long time is really is really promoting this and um, and getting it out there to as many folks as possible but it 's been phenomenal it 's been really really rewarding i 've gained so much, and then I also feel a little bit selfish because i 've gained so much from it seeing how how it 's helped everyone, um, even though I knew it would it 's just been so validating in its, it, it is, I, I don't know what, what else to say other than it's been so joy, joy building. And that I'm I just feel so thankful and I feel so, I feel so privileged. That's what I was saying initially when we were first chatting is that I really do feel so much privilege of being able to help and serve in this kind of way and offer these kinds of services and support when, um, the folks in the course, their growth, as well as people who just follow my resources and content. And I get messages all the time like that. And it just, they never get old because it helps me to keep going. And I'm just so thankful. I'm so, so, so thankful. Mm, And how do people
1: find this? Like, how do people gain access to this course, your masterclass, all of that?
2: Yeah, so the link is um, the stiproject.com and it's the first the first thing you see when you come to the website will be the course info that you can click on to find out more. Um, so the stiproject.com or I'm, I'm on all social media channels and it's at the STI project and, um, and then the link that's in my bio and all social media channels goes to course information as well as some other things, YouTube and Um, et cetera. So yes, if you're interested in the course or interested in um, just seeing what other resources are available and especially accessible free resources, then please come and pop by and um, check out any of those, any of those ways in which to reach me.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Janelle. Thank you for your pivot and the offerings that you're having and that you're giving specifically to the BIPOC community and just how you're checking yourself like I loved how you were like yeah like these thoughts come through my head and it doesn't make you a junk person just because you have them it's what you do with them when you know better you know and what comes out of your mouth um so that that is a great distinction that I'm so happy that you spoke on because we all will have all kinds of thoughts and it doesn't mean anything it's what they then create or what we then allow
2: Mm -hmm. exactly 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 and we're always we're always learning you know we're always there's always something we can do better at everyone so I just think that it's so easy to just to to get embarrassed and to kind of hole up and to dig ourselves in and I see that um, in some dynamics and some folks who just are absolutely like reticent to any kind of change and growth and it's just a fear really what that is is a fear of vulnerability is what they're showcasing by not by just digging in further to stuff that's so toxic and bad and not moving forward with what our culture is doing and what people are saying and etc so I'm trying to be the change I wish to see as cliche as that saying is um, but I still you know, appreciate when people are like, "That still socked "That didn't serve me," or something irked me about what you said there. You know, I appreciate it. call in and call outs as well. So all of us um, can basically do better.
1: <laughs> yes, we all can. As long as we're living, breathing, we can do better and also enjoy life. So we didn't get to talk much about the pleasure piece, but I just really want to 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 bring that in because there's so much that's happening in our world right now. Pleasure is. An embodiment that I have like bliss like being able to be in pleasure and enjoy especially in a world that's like kind of crumbling <laughs> around us so it's like um I love that that balance that I heard you speak about in the beginning and so um if there's anything that you would like to just like drop in about pleasure before we close out I would love for you to
2: Oh, good. A good way to end it. I love it. Um, Yeah, I think it's it's so hard for people, especially who have an STI after a diagnosis to feel pleasure and want to feel pleasure and to explore pleasure in their bodies. And and just people in general are not encouraged to, especially um, folks who identify as a woman. Women are not often encouraged to just truly go after their own pleasure. It's looked as self-serving or is looked at as selfish and we should always be somehow selfless and caretakers and caring for others. And we can't care for others if we're not also caring for ourselves. And one way in which we can care for others is by showing them how they can care for themselves by demonstrating that. And one of the ways in which we care for ourselves is by allowing and encouraging pleasure and exploring what that might mean for us and all that different ways in which we can enjoy pleasure. So I'm very much a pleasure activist. And um, any time that you have an opportunity to experience pleasure, do it. Please do, because there's not enough in this world. Not enough at all. Not enough pleasure, not enough joy. And being mindful and just being present when those opportunities present themselves is the best way in which to honor that. Mm,
1: Yummy, yummy, yummy. Yes, yes, yes. Ah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy this episode. And we are at the end of this episode
0: for now.
1: (laughs) Leaving a space for Janelle to come back on and for us to rap about whatever may be needed. And you guys, it took us some time to have this happen. Did we start talking in January, December? When did we start this conversation of having you on?
2: Oh my gosh. I feel like it was. It's like been five years. We've been trying to get together for five years in 765,000 days. (laughs) But we did it. Yeah.
1: Celebrating that we, we have done it. We are bringing this to you. So enjoy it in all of its glory. Please utilize the resources like stiproject.com is for everyone like every single person can go on there and learn if you feel called to the master class and of course do like whether you have an, have a contracted infection or not like we are living breathing pleasure-filled humans like the more we can know the more we can grow and she also has a group on facebook so can you just drop that really quick before we close out
2: Oh, yeah. Oh. I forgot about that. Yes. It's a group anyone can join. It's, um, or well, it's for folks who have herpes and um, any kind of herpes, oral genital, um, and or both, any type, I should say type one, type two. And um, it is a herpes support group. So if you Google herpes support group, it's called unlearning um, STI stigma or herpes stigma and overcoming shame. So it'll, the cover, and actually, I'm not sure actually how I think it is called, it's like, um, boogers. Now I'm trying to figure out what it's actually, what the actual URL is. I don't know. But anyways, it is, it's a herpes support group. It's called herpes support unlearning stigma and overcoming shame. So if you Mm -hmm. see that title, then you've, you found the right place. So if you'd like to join a Facebook group, it's private. No one can see that you're a part of the group until you join only members can see other members. So um, you have to ask to join and then answer a couple of questions. And then you you can get in and we talk about all sorts of things, living with an STI.
1: Yeah. Okay, guys. So there's an additional resource and join it if you feel called and if you identify with that. There are so many resources, support groups on Facebook um, with living with herpes, HPV and things of that nature. And I think it's important that you are in a group of Of um this caliber of what you've been receiving on this on this episode. So just always again protecting our energy, because it even online it can do its thing. So just really coming into a container with Janelle, I think, would be great. And you have free will and choice, do what you do. But I just wanted you to know that. So remember that you are sovereign, you are holy, holy, and innocent, and nothing can change that. And I love you guys. We'll catch you on the next episode and utilize all the resources that are available to you. Lots of love.
0: And that's a wrap on today's I Am Sovereign podcast. And remember, I am sovereign. I am sovereign. I am sovereign. And I choose sovereignty now. And so it is. Until next time, stay bold, stay powerful, stay in the truth, and if you feel called to work with me in the sovereign containers that I hold in the world, you can book a consult with me, a Freedom Breakthrough consult, and we can see if the 12-week sovereign initiation is the right track for you. And I look forward to seeing you guys out there in the world on this sovereign path.